So I will tell you that there's never a great time and never a bad time to start a business. You're never going to be perfectly ready or prepared. And if you want to wait until you have every single thing figured out, you're going to be a non-starter. It's going to be analysis paralysis. So, you know, if you're looking to start a business, you know, my personal motto is do something that either do it better than anybody else is doing or do it cheaper than anybody else is doing. Uh, if you're not going to add value to the market, maybe you should look at doing something else. If you have a really good hook on something, go for it, explore it. This is Pittsburgh, a place where a rich heritage of making things and a fierce independent nature come together to create a thriving entrepreneurial community. Whether you're a small business owner looking for ideas or inspiration, or you're an enthusiastic supporter of local businesses, you'll find it here. I'm your host, Darren Volano, and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh podcast. Today, my guest is Jesse Tate. She's the owner of Enspra. Jesse, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for having me on today. I appreciate that. Can you give us an overview of Enspra? What are some of the products and services that you offer in your company? And who is your typical customer? Sure. So we actually have several different divisions that we do. Number one, and this is what we started doing, is we are antimicrobial nano coatings. And we do a three-step process, uh, cleaning, disinfecting, and uh, doing nano coatings on businesses, homes throughout a four-state region. We also do efficacy testing to ensure that not just ours, but anybody that is doing their own disinfection, that it's properly working. And we are about to launch a third one. We're, we're doing a third section, which is mitigation plans for large-scale businesses. And is your product FDA approved or is there some sort of a approval process on the product that you're using? There is actually. Uh, we use a process that is recommended by the CDC, and then we're using products that are EPA registered, which is very important, and they are FDA food safe to use in not just restaurants, but daycares, schools, etc. Can you tell me the story of how you discovered NanoVapor Biotech? I know that there's a lot of steps that you had to take in the beginning of your business, which started this year, that got you from the beginnings of the research to ultimately landing at this company that had this product that you're able to use today that you're applying, it's part of your application. And I know there was a series of steps that you went to, uh, had to go through to get to that point. Could you walk us through what exactly happened from the time you started researching until you ultimately found this product? Yeah, absolutely. So Nanovapor Biotech is my partner company. They are a separate entity, but we are partners with them. And so when the pandemic first started, I actually own a home inspection company as well and had to shut down. So when the pandemic first started, I remodeled my house and then ran out of things to do. And so I was going crazy, as most of you business owners know, being shut down. We're used to working 12, 14-hour days. And so I started looking at the tools that I had through my home inspection business and thought, 
okay, if I'm really down, if I do something good for somebody, maybe karma will come around and help me out a little bit. So if I put some good out there, might get a little bit back. And so I decided, okay, what's the best good that I can do with my tools? And I had ozone generators. And so I started researching the molecular makeup of the COVID virus and seeing if ozone generators would actually be able to kill that. And as it turned out, it was something that was used in 2008 during the SARS-CoV-1 to combat that virus. And it is a derivative of that, you know, mutation of that essentially. And so it was found that yes, it is actually effective. So what I did is I took my little ozone generators. I went down to my local police department and said, Hey, I want to volunteer sanitizing cars. You guys are out there. I need to feel useful. (laughs) So would you do me a favor and just like, let me do this and kill a couple hours of my day before my husband leaves me for ripping down walls. So They loved it. And it went not just for one police department, but suddenly I started getting calls from police departments all over and they started insisting that they pay me to do this. And I said, well, okay. So I started a company and that's what I was doing was using my little ozone generators and sanitizing and they loved it. But I kept getting the same question over and over. And that question was, well, how long does this last? And I hated the answer that I had to give because every time I was like, well, Until somebody else comes in here that has something, I can tell you that it's safe as of this moment, but I cannot guarantee that five minutes from now, somebody that has it comes in contact that you're not going to get it. And so I started researching and putting a lot of my, the hours of my day into that. And so I started researching all different products, what lasts longer. If I put something on heavier with this work, looking at a chemical kill, as opposed to what I was doing with the ozone. And so one of the police actually came up to me and said, hey, there's somebody at this other police department that they have a product that they're using, they're a company, and that it lasts for 60 days. And I was like, what? That's amazing. And so I kind of went to town figuring out what this product was that they used by just asking the company, you know, what is it that you use and started researching. And lo and behold, like it was kind of a long story, but I ended up getting in touch with the actual chemist that invented it through the Department of Defense. So it was a long, many, many, many phone calls. And he said, well, uh, although that was our original intent, he said it really might last three to four days under ideal circumstances. And I said, "Okay, well, that's not what I want. So then I found this article written about this nanovapor biotech about a hospital in New Jersey. And I thought, well, if a hospital is using it, it has to have some sort of credence because um, hospital administrators and doctors are not quick to jump on something that, you know, is a new miracle product, right? So I researched them. I called, I emailed everybody that I could over the next couple of weeks. And I was able to go on LinkedIn actually and find that I had one person in common with one person on the board of directors. And They were willing to not just return that and connect with me, but I had a wonderful conversation with this gentleman and I've been in touch with them and the president ever since. I'm now, I own four states distributorship for Nanovapor Biotech and I have access to a lot of great medical knowledge as well as uh, some amazing, amazing products. And the difference is that the article said that it lasted 70 days. However, we are actually EPA registered for up to 90. So that's kind of the difference in the shell, you know, in a roundabout of how I kind of came into Enspra and Nanovapor Biotech. Can you tell us a little bit more about nanotechnology, especially for those that are unfamiliar? So how does your 
product work and how is it different than let's say you know your your typical disinfectant so you know you were you were cleaning the the police cars as you had mentioned before people tend to use either household cleaners if it's in their home or if it's in a place of business sometimes people have access to higher strength commercial grade cleaners and these cleaners are your still your traditional cleaners that are going to kill germs on contact but your product is nanotechnology and it's it's can you explain how that works and how does it kill the germs in in a way that's different and how does it last so long Right. Yeah. So one of the ways that it's different is, you know, those chemicals that they use. And, you know, if you've ever been around your office when the cleaning lady come through, it can be a little overwhelming, right, chemically. And so our products that we use are actually a lot safer to be around, to breathe in. So you're not going to get that harsh smell. You're going to get like a very light, clean smell. But the difference is there is that that's a chemical kill. The difference with what we do is it's not actually a chemical kill and it's not a chemical process in how we kill it. And we do actually still use a disinfection product. We use one that's called Smart Touch right now. We're actually migrating away from that, but it's OR grade, so it's very safe to be around. But the difference is that our third step, our nano, our antimicrobial nano coating, what it does is it actually adheres spikes to every surface, both hard and soft. And so you have these spikes that are sticking up and they're, they're, I mean, you're talking two to three microns in size. So you will never, we can never see them with our bare eyes. You know, we can't touch them. You can't feel them. You can't taste anything like that. But they adhere and they form a covalent, non-migrating, non-leaching bond to every surface. And what it does instead is when the microbes, and that's any microbe, not just the COVID, but, you know, you're looking at the flu, staph infections, C. diff, there are so many, the rhinovirus right? So, or any bacteria or mold that gets introduced into an area. What it does is when that comes into contact with the spikes, it cuts open the membrane and kills it on contact that way. And so there's no chance for it to learn how to defend itself against literally being flayed open. And what makes it last so long? Is it because these nano spikes, they stay on a surface for a long period of time, unless they're touched multiple times where they start to break down and they last a lot longer? That's correct. So when it's applied, it actually forms, we use electrostatic sprayers and um, there's there's a negative charge to it and it forms and it organizes itself to evenly spread out across surfaces and it adheres to the nearest thing, you know, that isn't water. We, it, we use water as a transfer. And so it goes through the water and attaches to, you know, whether it's your tabletop or your desktop or a soft chair, it adheres to all the surfaces. And then within 15 minutes forms the strong bond. So we go through and we disinfect first and we do a full wipe down and then we disinfect and then we put this antimicrobial coating on. And that actually keeps it up to 99.98% resistant to the viruses and bacteria. And when you do the application, do you have to clear the room of people? Is it a thing that's something that's toxic or is it more of a non-toxic application where you maybe clear the room, but people can quickly come back in, you know, after 15 minutes or something and, and get back to work? Or does it have to dry over a period of time? No, we, we do like it to dry just so that it bonds correctly. But no, I mean, we, you know, we wear masks, but, you know, we don't have to put on respirators. It's a very, very safe product. 
It is, you know, deemed by the FDA food safe, not that anybody should be eating it, but it is non-harmful in that way. In fact, the recommendation, if you were to accidentally drink it, is that you then drink two glasses of water and that will wash it away. Um, It's a non-irritant. In fact, I treated, I went and did a house today myself. And so it can land on your skin. It doesn't irritate your eyes. It doesn't get into your nose. So it's actually much easier to be around than typical household products. Before you started Enspra, you were working in your home inspection business. You referenced this a few minutes ago. You had that business for a few years leading up to this. And then in 2020, we had the pandemic. What inspired you to create this business, Enspra? You know, you, you talked about having some extra time, I'm, I'm assuming, because your home inspection business wasn't going the way that it probably would have gone had there not been a pandemic, right? And, you know, did you just find that you had extra time and you, you sort of landed into this opportunity? And then what gave you the motivation to keep pursuing the discovery of a product that you're ultimately using, right? Because you could have quit, you know, it took a lot of research and a lot of phone calls, as you had mentioned, to get from where you started all the way to this company where you were able to source their product and get into an exclusive relationship and contractual relationship with them. A lot of people along the way might've just dropped off and said, well, I don't think there's anything that could last a long time, but you were persistent. You know, you really wanted to find if there was a solution that could last as long as this one does, where did that motivation come from to do that? Right. So I'm a business owner and I'm a small business owner and I was very angry. I I understood why we had to shut down, but I was still angry that the government told me that I was not allowed to go out and work and that I just had to, I couldn't, do anything. And I have so many friends that own restaurants, that own salons and stores, and they had to do the same thing. And I actually thought that the home inspector, that that was kind of an essential job, but it was not. And so I thought, well, I want to do something that's going to help my fellow business owners get back and get back safely and responsibly. And so what can I do? How can I help them protect not just them and their employees, but protect their customers? And how can I let customers know that they're going to be safe when they go and visit my friends in their stores? And so this was kind of my motivation. Like, how can I be the biggest asset to my community as possible? And what can I do for my community to help us specifically. And so that's when I started researching, you know, into chemical makeups of the different cleaning products and the efficacy of them. Now you can serve two different types of customers with your company. You can serve commercial customers and you can serve residential. You kind of referred to that a few minutes ago when you said you did somebody's home today and you, you also can do businesses as you just mentioned. So You've been in business just this year you started, so for, for a few months or more than a few months, but, but basically this year. What types of commercial customers are using your product? What are the, what's the biggest, I guess, category or categories of the types of businesses that are using your product? And then what are the common factors or what do the residential customers that you serve, what do they have in common in terms of the, the type of folks that are asking you to come into their home to do this process? So I would say right now, like my biggest clients that I have right now, uh, or the most amount is uh, restaurants. You know, restaurants want to make sure that their tables and chairs, and when people come into the restaurant, that they're safe. You know, the other thing we help do is cut down on cross-contamination of food and kitchens as well. And so they see this as, you know, a no-brainer for them. And so, in fact, I had restaurants calling me before I opened because one of the police told them that I was going to start doing this. And so it's been kind of a chain reaction, which has been wonderful. 
So restaurants are definitely my, I would say the most clients, but I have office buildings. Uh, we're actually talking to several school districts about working with them, as well as a couple different government entities. Of course, still the police vehicles, because we can treat not just the interior, but the exterior. Um, not working with any ambulance services yet, but that's a pretty easy one for us. Transportation is another big one, you know, not just school buses, but you know, transportation coaches all together, you know, those are kind of like the crux of what we do. You know, the school districts are really what we're targeting right now with our pandemic mitigation plans that we're able to put together for them. Aside from that, we do residential. And like I said, today, I had somebody that needed me to come treat a house and I didn't have anybody available. So I went, but we do actually, there's two, three basic sets of residential customers. Number one are those who just want to have it done, right? They just want to be more protected in their own homes. So we can go in and do that. Lately, I've been getting a lot of real estate transactions. So the person that's moving in wants to make sure that their family is very safe when they move in. You know, you're going to move in with your new baby that's learning how to crawl and you want to make sure that if they're going to lick the floor, that it's safe, you know, so that when you move in with your child and your, your pet, that they're ready to go. The other one, and this one's a little more near and dear to my heart, is we work with a lot of immunocompromised persons. So those that might have somebody in the house, or maybe those who know somebody, you know, have a loved one that's either going through chemo or radiation, or perhaps somebody that just had a transplant. What we do is we help create, make their home more of a safe home for them. So that way they can convalesce and recover in a much more safer environment. We're a great added tool to have, you know, in their in their pocket of things that they're doing to make sure that their recovery is as quick and is less treacherous as possible. So that's kind of what we do there. Now you have this exclusive contractual relationship with the NanoVapor Biotech and, and the product that they offer. You have the exclusive relationship to be able to offer your services in Pennsylvania and some of the surrounding states, I understand as well. I know that your business is new and you just started this year and the future is, you know, there's, there's still a long way to go, but have you thought about your potential growth plan or growth strategy? And does that exclusivity, that contractual relationship factor into that? So for example, you know, could you have other Enspra locations in other cities, for example, or a franchise opportunity, or maybe you're just distributing or selling your products to other companies like yours that are going to do the actual application in their city or in their state. Is this something that you're looking towards in the future? I know right now you're just focused on growing your business. I'm not sure if you've even had time to think about your growth plan, but is that something that you think about sometimes? I'm going to be honest. I wake up thinking about it and I go to bed thinking about it. And, you know, this was one of my, one of my top things when getting into it and especially building a partnership is I thought to myself, you know, what are my long-term goals? Um, not that I had to have every moment of it thought out, but I really wanted to know what my long-term goals were. Do I just want to work in Allegheny County? No. And so, yes, I do plan on having some additional locations once things are, you know, up and running a little bit more. Right now, we're we're doing okay with this area, but I do have the right to open additional locations throughout the states that I own. And so I own Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, and Maryland. And so I, I am looking at doing something out in Annapolis, possibly Harrisburg area, a little more west in Ohio, and a little more south in West Virginia. And so, yes, I've definitely thought about that. And that's why we are, you know, starting to do a little bit of distribution as well. Right now, I'm not selling to other competitors. 
but I am selling some product in bulk to clients that are doing self-disinfection and treating themselves. Yeah, I think this is a really smart move on your part and a good learning moment for anybody listening to this who's a small business owner or who wants to be become a small business owner or be an entrepreneur that not only did you find a product that you can apply and use for your own customers, but you you got some essentially a, a license or a contract or some intellectual property tied up into what you're doing. It's not just that you bought something that anybody else could buy, but you did it and created sort of a, a defensive mechanism around it, you know, by creating that contractual relationship. And that's really smart because you know, there's nothing wrong with competition and there's going to be competition. And even with that contract, there's going to be competition because there's going to be other products and services that people can use in substitute of what you're doing. But what you're doing is really smart because you're able to define a territory that's larger than just where you are and think to the future in terms of your growth. And I would encourage anybody listening to this who's, you know, a business owner or, or like I said, wants to develop a business to think about that in terms of their own scenario, that if they have an opportunity to do something similar that maybe they could do the same as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that, you know, anybody when they get started always has to think about your exit strategy. And that's, I'm, I'm somebody that always thinks probably 10 steps ahead. This has gone fast. And of course I don't pretend to have any of it planned out to the last minute, but I know I said before, I kind of equate this business to building your race car when you're already on the straightaway. And so that's kind of where I sit today, but it, it, things are working well. You know, you get a good team around you. You know, I hired one of the first things I did was hire a good attorney and, um, get some contracts set up for my clients and good insurance and go from there. So I understand that you recently rolled out the ability to do on-site testing. And I believe that you're one of the few companies or maybe even the only company in the region that can do this. So can you explain what that means? What is on-site testing? What are you testing for? What can you tell the customer you know, that's there or, or what's not there? Are there limitations to this testing? And are the results immediate? Right. So I, in wanting to kind of do the full 360 of what we're doing and be able to prove my results, I actually bought a mobile lab. And so now I am able to go on site and do efficacy testing to see if what you're actually paying for is working and to be able to prove that what I'm doing is working as well. And so we are able to go on site and test in several locations, whether it is a home, a business or a vehicle and give you immediate results. Well, 10 seconds to get results, but we are able to do that and then actually send a report afterwards. Do you think that the pandemic has fundamentally changed the way we think about hygiene and germs going forward? You know, do you think that this has a big mark on how we just even approach this entire subject, the way we live our normal lives? And if so, how does Enspra fit into that bigger picture? I'm specifically thinking about the work that you've done that has allowed other small businesses to reopen and homes to be safer than they were before, especially those for those that have compromised immune systems, as, as you had just mentioned, which is always a problem, even in the best of times. But when you have a, a virus that can be deadly and can affect people, it could be even worse. So I'm just wondering what impact do you think your company has you know, in this area? 
Right. So I, I really hope that it does change the way that people look at germs and hygiene overall. Um, it was actually surprising to me how many people weren't aware of how often you should wash your hands and what you should be doing on a regular basis. And, you know, for a few years, I actually did work in the health field. And so, you know, not touching elevator buttons and not touching doors is always been, you know, kind of something that's forefront in my mind. And, you know, having worked with seniors and working with people that were immunocompromised, like, you know, I really do think that this is going to change how things go overall. And, I think that moving forward, we're going to understand, you know, a little bit more how things get transferred. I think we're going to continue to see uh, better hygiene in schools, you know, especially when you, when it comes to locker rooms. You know, there are so many children that get MRSA and, you know, staph infections or whatever from, you know, rolling around on the mats and, you know, touching things. And, you know, how often were things actually disinfected? How many times was that child's locker or those doorknobs wiped down in the school year? Probably not many, right? And this is something that is now on everybody's mind. And so that's kind of how we're positioning ourselves because we're not just COVID related. You know, we're not we're not a company that's here to make a quick buck off of this pandemic and then, you know, go back, you know, go on to the next big thing. You know, we're here because I truly believe that putting these things in place is really going to make it safer for the community as a whole moving forward. You know, I think for a long time that when people walk into a store, they're going to have a little bit more distance behind them. I think that's going to stick with us for a long time. Can you tell me about the name of your business, Enspra? What does it mean? Does it have to do with the product that you use or is this a name that you created just specifically for your business? Yeah, I did create it. So I was when I was looking at naming my company, I wanted something that described what I did. And so I was looking at antimicrobial and nano and coatings and biotech. And I was really worried about people not being able to spell it to find me on the internet, right? And so looking at like websites that were available and trademarks that are out there, I was suddenly having to look at a company name that was like five words long. And I'm like, nobody's ever going to type that in. So I might as well, what if I could just do like environmentally friendly spray? And I was like, why do I have to pick any real words anyhow? I'm just going to squish that together and make Enspra. And it's easy. It was available. I trademarked it. And it's the funniest thing is, you know, I created it. I did a huge search and it's never been put in before. And suddenly everybody's like, oh, yeah, I know of your company. You've been around for years. And I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Because I wanted something that felt more familiar. I didn't want something that sounded like trendy. Right. So I was I was trying to think of something inspired and environmentally friendly spray. So we got Enspra. Now I understand on a personal note that you at one point attended film stunt driving school. Is that right? And that you owned a number of motorcycles. Could you tell me a, a little bit more about this? Is this something that was just a hobby that you did, you know, just on the side or were you planning a career in this at some point? No, I always like kind of challenging myself and doing things that are unexpected and, and really fun and different. And it just so happens that a lot of those hobbies happen to be like extraordinarily male driven, which, um, and I know nobody can see me because I'm sitting down, but I am five foot tall. And so I thought, well, that's a challenge. You know, if, if somebody, if a six foot guy can do it, I can do it too. And so I started riding motorcycles around age 27, but I was kind of always a gearhead as a, as a kid. Like there's just always been something about 
you know, the sound of a motor engine that I just love and um, specifically European engines. But so I said, you know, one day I'm going to go to film stunt driving school. And so I found one that I liked and the the people that were putting it on, like had a lot of really great films that I admired behind their, you know, under their names on IMDb. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. So I did. I went, I went to that down in Florida and then um, didn't really do a, a whole lot with it, but it was really fun. But I've done a little bit of road course racing, a little autocross. Um, I've had about seven motorcycles. I used to have a Ducati. So um, I like things that are fast. <laughs> Jesse, as we wrap up here, what advice would you like to leave for other entrepreneurs and small businesses out there that are listening to this, especially as it pertains to you know starting a business in the middle of the pandemic? I have interviewed other people just like you that have started a business in this year, which is great. You know, it's great that even though all the difficulty we've had, that people are still starting businesses, they're still finding opportunity, they're still expressing creativity, they're being innovative. You've done that, you saw an opportunity and you decided to create something. What things have you learned on the journey so far? And I know you're early into it, but but things that you've learned that you could share with somebody maybe that's in a similar position, maybe they want to start right now, this year before the year's out, or maybe they want to start in 2021 and the economy is not as strong as it was, but they have an idea and they want to get it going. Sure. So I will tell you that there's never a great time and never a bad time to start a business. You're never going to be perfectly ready or prepared. And if you want to wait until you have every single thing figured out, you're going to be a non-starter. It's going to be analysis paralysis and it can get into that. So, you know, if you're looking to start a business, you know, my personal motto is do something that either do it better than anybody else is doing or do it cheaper than anybody else is doing. Uh, If you're not going to add value to the market, maybe you should look at doing something else. If you have a really good hook on something, go for it, explore it. And you don't have to 100% give up, you know, what you're doing during the day, but you do have to put in a lot to any of your passions and what you're doing, you know. You can spend your evenings working toward that goal and getting started with that. And honestly, like networking for me is always the biggest thing. And if you repeat it, it'll sound redundant to you, but 50 different people, a thousand different people a day are going to hear that message. And, you know, it's going to strike one person. So even if you feel like, oh, I've heard myself say this a hundred times, say it 120 times. You know, it's just, you're never going to over promote it as long as you're not calling the same buddies on the phone every day and talking about it. But, you know, you have to put yourself out there. Like nobody's going to create a product, sit in their house and wait for the door to knock. It's just, it's not going to happen. And so you have to be a good self promoter. And I've always been big into networking and, um, you know, what can I do to help you and how can you help me in return is kind of the attitude that you have to have with that. Jesse, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. It was so nice talking with you, Darren. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do me and the Pittsburgh small business community a huge favor by giving it a rating on your favorite podcast app. It really helps others to find the show so that we can continue to build our community. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And if you know someone who should be on the podcast or you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me at proprietorsofpittsburgh.com, thestartupshop.net, that shop spelled S-H-O-P-P-E or at 412-336-8247. I'm Darren Volano and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh podcast. Take care.